This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And we have a guy that's refining and redefining the insurance industry in the way that it's always been done. As far as I can tell, Mr. Ryan Hanley, a good friend of mine, is back to give us an update on Rogue Risk 2.0. I feel like I've just sort of like been in the back seat riding around in the station wagon while my dad's been stuck in the loop in European vacation looking at Big Ben in Parliament. I've seen this guy going around so many <laughs> times with what he wants to do, but... It seems like, Ryan, you are settled and you are freaking dialed in like you have never been dialed in since we've known each other. Yeah, uh, it's funny. Think, I was thinking, you know, knowing that this was coming up, I uh, was thinking a little bit about the conversation that we had the first time, which I think was almost two years ago. And it's it's funny, like, I thought that I knew where we were going at that time. And, you know, and we've gone 15 other places and <laughs> kind of are back where the original vision of we're finally in a place where uh, we're executing on the original vision of what Rogue always supposed to be was always supposed to be. And and yeah, man, it is uh, it's a lot of fun to know where you want to go. Um, COVID and a whole bunch of reasons and, you know, some of which are probably just excuses kind of took us off track and we had to do things to stay alive and all that kind of fun stuff. But, um, you know, we're, we're making money. Uh, we got three producers. We're hiring another account manager this week. We have two more open producer positions. Things are flying, man. I mean, we got things are, things are flying. So it's, uh, it's a fun time. That's good. I mean, you only opened an insurance agency from scratch it you know doing one of the probably the hardest things you could ever do at the absolute worst time possible right i mean yeah. i would come never on, recommend dude, you you launched and like 2 weeks later the country shut down yeah. and you were at the epicenter of all of that yeah it um i had a meeting yesterday and there was probably about 15 people in the room and I finally got to use all those middle market production drop-off folders that I purchased back in February of 2020 when mm-hmm. I was going to launch as a middle market shop. You know, obviously, you know, killing commercial. I had this whole plan. I have all these folders, all these printouts, 
and I haven't given out one of the folders that I purchased back in 2020. I finally got to use them yesterday. Well, if it's That's any funny. consolation, I've got a few thousand of them sitting here. We haven't been able to hand yeah, out no either. Kidding. Yeah. So I went it's back. Funny, I actually do, man, because I've got like I have it sitting by my desk because people always ask me, what do your drop folders look like? So I keep one here next to the desk that's got some collateral in it. But, you know, we we need to get back on the on the road, you know, probably right after the first of the year. But every yeah. time, you know, every time it gets ready to ramp back up again, here you go. You know, yeah. now we've got this new variant out. Oh, that's right. slick, man. Oh, look at those. Those are cool. Yeah, tight. And then I got nice. a little, got some some key, some some phrase in here, you know. Protect your people, protect your business. This is insurance done differently. That's oh, cool. There you go. So talk a little bit about the journey, man. I mean, you're back. You're kind of your whole deal is you're trying to make small business easy. And you know, look, I'm gonna be devil's advocate. I know this isn't gonna offend you, but you're writing the business that I don't want to write, right? Like, yeah. Now let me, let me. I'm gonna step back a second. You're writing the business I also have to write at this point because I've I've been pretty vocal about it over the course of the last few months. We've got a problem in the agency with our average revenue per account being too high. Mm. We need to get down into that smaller stuff so that you know we're not in jeopardy of I taking. I wouldn't big mind hits. having that problem. Just just you know just <laughs> just. I guess I well, mind. I can promise you it it's it it makes for sleepless nights. Five years in and two years in, it would have been deadly for me. I so believe it. I believe it's, it. It's tough, man. I mean, in in it's things that you can't control. Things we can't control, right? I can't control that we have service contractors that have been very successful and as a result, get consumed by venture capital. I just, I can't, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. My only play is to parlay that into a meeting with the VC firm to talk about how we can make their portfolio look like those accounts that they've consumed. And I've actually been somewhat successful in getting down that road. I'm on my third meeting with one of the bigger VC firms uh, this next week. So I'm kind of optimistic about it. I may be able to get three of my clients back and in addition, pick up about 70 more. So talk about the best. Yeah. Talk about uh, ice water running through, yeah. Running through your veins, dude. (laughs) Like I'm going to go in there and I'm going to, I like, I'm going to have to really have my a game on for that. Make sure you take a dump before you go in there. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no breakfast burritos. Hey, that so <laughs> so I, I, you know, unlike uh, my, my counterpart Rain Man over here, my my memory is not a steel trap. So I went back and listened to the pod that we did before, and I was, was like, a good one. Huh? It was. I was multitasking, like you know, sending emails and doing stuff, just listening to it in my my AirPods or whatever. And David asked me a question, <laughs> and so I'm I start answering the question like out loud, like as if as if the conversation is happening right now, like a complete <laughs> idiot. I sat back, I was like, dude. Well, I mean, I don't know when you did that, but if it was after you went to Disney yesterday for the first time with it Dash, was, it was literally this morning, like a couple accepted. hours ago. You still have a couple days left to recover. Yeah, the whole Disney the whole thing is Kyle's I'm, private hell. By the way, it really is, and it's like it's it, it would be that coupled with something else. I, I am I am the I am Larry David. I have figured that out. I am yeah, you're Ron Swanson. You are Ron. I'm, Swanson, I'm a, I am a combination of Ron Swanson and Larry David. I completely relate with both of them. I, like everything annoys me. <laughs> I mean, like Dude, the we fact- were laying in bed one night and I had never seen Parks and Rec before. And <laughs> Swanson came in and rattled something off. And I told Annie, oh my God. That's <laughs> so 
Like, I, I mean, the, the happiest place on earth, I mean, I, utter bullshit. I mean, there's kids screaming everywhere, people bumping into, people are gross, by the way. And, and so we went on Wednesday, um, you know, thinking that there wouldn't be a ton of people there. There was 17 billion people at Disney yesterday. Dude, was, by the way, they love holding hands and walking five wide. I, you know, the saddest day for me with Disney is when we quit taking the stroller over for the kids because I lost my battering ram. Prior to that, I was an ankle breaker, dude. If you're walking five wide, that's Talladega. That's not Disney dude, Main Street. I'm going to come right through. It was crazy how many people were there. And it's, you mentioned the stroller. We go in to do this ride and, it's a, and it ends up being like a 3D one. I'm like... Yeah, I'm not going to do this. I'll meet you guys outside. So I go back outside to where I left the stroller in the stroller park. Not there. I'm like, um, I was literally just thinking like, you know, we've made it throughout the day. Elise was concerned with somebody stealing the stroller. Nobody's stolen the stroller. Like who steals the stroller? It's ridiculous. Um, so I'm like, I'm like freaking out. I'm pissed. And so like somebody either did try to steal it and like hide it or one of the employees moved it. I don't know if that's something that they do there because I don't go there very often, but I ended up finding it like just wedged in be- be- between a couple other strollers, like on the other side of the ride. It was very, very odd. So uh, it was, at th- it was at that point that I had had enough and was ready to go. So can I just say, Hanley, I'm looking at the thumbnail from your recording with Ricky Hader right now on my phone. Mm-hmm. That is probably one of the most epic pictures of Ricky I've ever seen in my life. It's his go-to. It's like he's a cross. Um, I can, but you could probably see it too. I mean, <laughs> oh, I saw that earlier. Yes. Yeah, so, so this is like this is what you would get if Fred Armisen would have played Stuart Smalley on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> That's what you would have. Like that is a guy who does not—he does not look like a guy who's put—he's going into the mosh pit at Iron Maiden, right there. No, not in that picture. He is straight Portland all the way. So anyhow, back to Mister Hanley. We're enough yeah. rabbit holes. How'd you finally make the decision, man? Like, what drove you to finally get back to where you originally started and decide, okay, it's time for me to double down here. This is where I'm headed. Well, so you know, for maybe people don't know the the whole thing. I started middle market killing commercial all the way. Everything I did was stacked to go after that stuff. We were, we were, I basically was going to digitize the middle market production and had no desire to be national, no desire really to go outside of New York. Like this is what I was going to do. COVID hit like seven days after I launched the agency, literally launched the agency on a Monday, the following Monday, um, Cuomo shut down the entire state. So it was game over. No, you know, no one's picking up the phone. You're, they're showing pictures of people in China just falling dead in the streets. Like we all <laughs> think zombie apocalypse has hit the world, and right. you know, uh, well, Mr. So, Coma's got his own set of issues now, as does his brother. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, well, New York is a cesspool of awful. So I just hate. <laughs> Sounds um, like Disney. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah you guys were describing Disney. I was like, that sounds like just about every day in New York. Uh, True. So, uh, basically first three months of rogue, I didn't sell a single policy, not one, you know, cause I granted this is, this is hardcore COVID. It's not like COVID now where only the crazy people still think that, that, you know, won't go outside. This is like, this is like, no one will pick up the phone. No one's leaving their house. Like it, it's game off. So uh, I had, I had to quickly pivot to something and, um, you know, 
unbeknownst to our to our overlords, you know, small business still needs to exist and operate and show up and do all those things. So that's who what I pivoted to, and I be, started doing what I know best, which is content marketing and just work in small business. And said, look, you know, I everyone I know hates five hundred dollar bops. So there's opportunity in five hundred dollar bops. That that's kind of the way that I look at the world. What does everyone hate to do? Can I find a way to make that thing that they hate to do profitable? So we do a shit ton of ENS. We do it really well, really fast. Uh, I can write an ENS policy as fast as I can write a $500 Bob with Chubb. And uh, I want to bookmark that and come back to it. So keep going. But I do want to talk about yeah. how you've been able to do that efficiently. So, you know, we we are, you know, you, someone referred to us as garbage collectors the other day, and I'm fine with that. We write 750 uh, class codes in small business. I don't, we, our policy is no customer left behind. When everyone else who's listening to this podcast is going to toss them aside because they're too small or too hard to write, we do it. And we do it fast and we do it efficiently and we help those people. And, um, and it took me a while, you know, a while to ramp that up like anything else. But, you know, we have 200 and I did, you know, I went back to what I know. I did shit tons of content, just content, 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 and, you know, I have 260 YouTube videos, 300 or 125 blog posts. And we now do, we touched almost 300 inbound leads last month. And, wow. um, you know, we're 16 months in, we just wrote our first, we just hit or 16 months in, which was two months ago, we hit a hundred thousand in premium for the first month. We hit it again last month. We're going to, we're going to blow by it this month. We're, we're well on pace to maybe break 150. Um, and you know what what the goal of rogue was has always been was to be uh was to digitize middle market so what we're doing is kind of executing on a broader scale the vision that rogue risk was initially meant to be is we are now a producer accelerator program so what we do and i have three producers in the program so far as we bring producers in, we give them a process, a plan, technology, and markets. They get to grow their business through Rogue as a traditional, you know, in a, in a quasi-traditional producer process. When they hit a certain book value, they trigger partnerships similar to a law firm and get phantom equity into their book. And when they hit a secondary trigger, if they so desire, we help them spin off their own agency. And hmm. um, our goal is to put 400 producers through the rogue system in the next five years. And um, that's where we're ramping to. So you spin them off. Do you keep a piece of the action at yeah. that point? Yep. So there'll be rogue locations. What we want to do is avoid the fran a franchise model for a whole, there's a whole bunch of reasons why we don't want to become a franchise. Um, so essentially they are satellite locations, but it's not phantom equity, it's real ownership. And there's a real ask, you know, you have a, you have a hard asset that you're developing and you can build your own team and, you know, you'll still use our backend systems and still have access to all our markets and all that stuff. So you get the rolled up benefits and day one contingencies and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you, you have, you have a location, you, you get to have your own spot and build your own team and we support that. And, um, you know, what I'm trying to do is give producers the path that I was never given, right? The reason I, I didn't stay at my original agency is because it was like, hey, thanks for being here. Have, you know, hopefully in 30 years, you'll be content with never owning any of this. And, <laughs> you know, that just wasn't good enough for me. I, I wanted to know that I was building something, 
besides my 401k. And um, this is my best shot at giving that to producers because I think there I think there are hundreds, if not thousands, of producers at top 250 agencies. There certainly are at top 100 agencies who are fed up with the bureaucratic nonsense that come with working at some of these shops. And if you want to come be a big baller, come do it for Rogue, except you're going to have freedom, you're going to work from home, and you're going to have the same markets and the same back-end support that you get with them. So um, basically, uh, it's game fucking on. So for people who don't understand, explain the difference between, you know, phantom equity and actually going out and opening your own location. Yeah. So the primary difference is that phantom equity gives you, it's essentially a profit sharing plan to a certain extent. So you, you get the financial benefits of owning uh, your book of business without having actual like tangible ownership. Now, to some, you know, that's going to bother some people for sure because they don't understand it really doesn't matter at that point. Um, and, you know, how how our model works is as you grow your book, you accrue more phantom equity. So you're getting, you're basically getting all the upside with none of the downside. So you don't have to pay for losses. You don't have to pay for expenses. But what you do have is interest in writing a profitable book. And if we get contingencies on your book or, or overrides based on your production, you're going to get a portion of that uh, back as a, as a percentage of, of how much of your book you've earned in phantom equity. So it's like a vesting schedule for ownership in your book. And I, I am sure that some producers will never want to spin off their own location. They'll just want to keep growing their book inside the rogue system and they can continue to accrue higher and higher levels of phantom equity up to a, a, a cap of... 50% um, of their of their equity and how we basically and the reason I do that is because you know you're you're producing you have a new business and renewal commissions and that's great and obviously some of that you're putting in a retirement account but if you're going to come produce for rogue and you're going to do a good job for us and and work our systems and work our processes I want you to know that there is an asset that you can you can that you have a piece of that that the profitability of your book that the the upside of what you're doing the the growth and the and the thought that goes into um, that that you're you're getting a piece of that and that by writing good business and by continuing to grow I want to give you that piece like it's you know and, and look I've done 15 different spreadsheets on all of this am I absolutely pin maximizing the profit of Rogue by setting up this system absolutely fucking not. I'm, this is not the most profitable way for me to run an agency, but to me, I'm willing to give up. I, I the this, the way that I live my life and the, what I believe in terms of serendipity and, and all that kinds of stuff is if I'm willing to give up a little bit of, of the, of the upside to rogue and not cut out every bit of margin and and squeeze everything out of my producers, which is what I think most agencies do today, right? Most agencies look at their producers and they want to squeeze every ounce out of them. And I'm like, well, why don't I just treat them like real people, give them upside, make them feel, get, you know, make, allow them to feel appreciated and show them that by buying into our system and doing what we ask you to do and, and growing and pushing that you can then, you can, you can reap some of that benefit well, then we're all going to, there's plenty of money, right? Like there's plenty to go around and there's plenty of growth. So, um, you know, I, I think, uh, it's why, it's why 
you know, part part of the comp structure is why I've struggled to, to get, um, you know, I've been doing the rounds with the venture capitalists and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, some of it, some of them have a lot of questions about the comp structure and you're not maximizing this. And I don't give a shit, you know, to me, I, I, uh, I told you this, Dave, when I started, my goal originally was I wanted to make 20 people millionaires who I wasn't related to. That number is now 400 because Goosehead IPO'd at 400 producers. So if I can get to 400 producers, I, uh, I can IPO. Whether I do or not, who knows? But that's my goal. If those guys are smart enough to get there, we can do it in small commercial in middle market. So that's where we're going. Well, I think... Yeah, I think the other piece of that, though, and I mean, there's so many things we can talk about, but, you know, for the people that are producers that aren't agency principals that are listening to this right now, I think that when you're younger in the industry, you are so enamored with the earnings potential. Oh, I can go out and make a quarter million or 300,000 a year or whatever. And you can, you know, it's going to require you to work a lot. You don't really have a bunch of agency owners out there that are going to sit down and explain to you what the difference is between income statement wealth and balance sheet wealth, right? Your net worth is your balance sheet. It's not the income you make. And if you don't understand the value of equity and the value of having an opportunity for partnership then it's going to be a really rough row for you. You know, it, you're going to continue to work. I mean, you may have 401k and that's great. You know, there's plenty of millionaires that have been made with 401ks at a, you know, 50 cents on the dollar or dollar for dollar match up to 5% of what you're making. But it, it's a long road to get there. Having a path to partnership in a growing asset is the number way, number one way for a producer to accumulate significant net worth for themselves. And I mean, Kyle is in a position right now where as the agency continues to grow, he he understands. I'm very transparent with the fact that he will have that opportunity when his book size gets to the right size, he will have that opportunity to have equity in Florida risk. I have no reason to withhold that from him. He's helped me build it, right? All of my production people have helped me build it. If they get to that threshold, then they're going to be partners, and they should be. I agree. That incents them to help grow the enterprise and do it profitably and all of that. But I don't want to be the guy that sits here, and when it's time for me to exit, which is going to happen at some point, I'm going to exit. I don't want to be sitting here leaving all of my people shrugging their shoulders wondering, hey, you know, what did I get out of the deal? I was around too. I, that's just not how I'm wired. It's not how I live my life. I, you know, and I've been criticized for that before. I've mm -hmm. been told, oh no, you're over, you're, you're being way too generous with what you're offering. Really? Well, I sleep pretty good at the night. The other thing too is like, who, who, you know, who's telling you that? Is it somebody yeah, right, that you exactly. would take advice from? Because like, if not, the person who's then, telling you that is the guy whose yeah. producer is yeah. is calling you, going, "Hey, do you have any room for me?" Like, this, <laughs> yeah, is, exactly. this is the problem with our industry. Like, I get. I get all, you know, the number of times people have said to me, not not necessarily looking for advice from me, but have said to me in a, in in a in a you know moment of complaining, which we all do. Oh, it's so hard to find producers, or I can't keep good people. Well, how much are you paying them? What's their right. what's their long term upside in the company? Do they have a path to growth? Do you give them freedom? Do you allow them to work from home? Do you? Do you give them shit because occasionally for an hour in the morning, their kid has to be home while they work because we live in a crazy world. Like, 
think about what you're delivering to your people. And if, if you're being a draconian dick, there's a reason that they're leaving, right? Like that's why you can't keep good people. And I just, I, I just cannot, like you said, David, you, you sleep well at night. I sleep really well at night with the way that I treat my people, right? And when they have a problem and not everything always goes amazing, you address the problem, you talk through it. You know what? Like I just, I look at the way that we treat people in our industry and I, and I, to me, it is low hanging fruit. It is incredibly low hanging fruit to absolute domination just to treat your people well. You just treat your people well. You just be known as a company that treats people well and you will get the best and the brightest because the, the standard in our industry is to treat people like shit, and it drives me nuts. You know, it's funny, man, because we experience this. Kyle will get a chuckle out of it, but I mean, with my primary account manager, like she, it, it's like she's a rescue animal, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but like it's really how she acts. Like she sends nothing to an underwriter without sending it to me to make sure that I review it and I bless it before it goes over there. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, I'm like, just send send it. I don't, you know, I don't have time to read this. Right. I trust you. You've been doing this for 20 years, and it's just constantly. At, so, at, so some, f- at some point, the uh, she caught the ruler across the knuckles on something. Yeah, she's so concerned about making a mistake and getting a backlash from that. And the same thing. It, and it's funny because she'll come to me and she'll say, um, hey, I was hoping I could maybe take off at noon Friday instead of um, you know, sticking around to my normal time. And I just want to let you know I've worked after hours on Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> to, and I'm like, look, if anybody in my organization needs time off for anything, you know, okay. I went to Disney yesterday in the middle of the freaking week. Why would I yeah. tell my producer, hey, look, I realize you've got a family trip to take your child to Disney for the first time. No, you can't do that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I, really? Dude, I just had this this morning. I had uh, one of my one of my account managers. She She's uh, she's awesome. She's actually, she lives in Florida. She's she's amazing. And, um, and she's doing such a good job and I couldn't be happier with her, right? But like her tasks got stacked up. And she called me. She's like, I'm so sorry. I, I've actually done like three or four of the tasks. I just have, I've been so kind of busy with a couple of these accounts, which, you know, a couple of the accounts have like weird COI things they need. You know, she, I, could, I knew she was working. <laughs> I knew exactly what she was doing. And I just was, she's like, I just haven't had a chance to get. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. did I call you? And like, was I mad at you? Like, did I send you a message where I was mad? She's like, well, I go, no, you're good. I go, when I'm, when I'm upset, I'll reach out to you and express to you that th- there's a problem we need to address. <laughs> Otherwise, you're good. I said three weeks ago, I sent you a gift card, like re- an Amazon gift card, because you would, she like went above and beyond for this cost. You know, she went to the whole next level for this customer. And I just wanted to, like, she lives in Florida, so I can't walk up to her desk and, you know, I, so I, this little schmookie. I was like, if I was mad at you or thought you were doing a bad job, would I have done that? She's like, well, no. I'm like, you're good. Like, you're just, Right. You're you're killing it. Like you're good. But she was so worried because the reason I got her, how I got her to come join us is she got uh, fired by her previous company or, you know, whatever, because on a Friday, she only hit 17 tasks instead of her standard 22 because she had she had to spend she had a client who something was going, you know, long story short, she had to spend like basically two hours with one client to get this problem resolved. And she didn't hit her task number for the day. And so they like, we're like, at, we're letting you go. I mean, that's how, pe- huh. that's how our industry yeah. treats people. It's and crazy. It's like, man. It's so, 
And then, the, then when you do, and, and the thing is, man, Kim has been, it'll be, in March, it'll be two years that she's been with us. I, hmm. I have seen a noticeable difference in like, you know what? I think the point of inflection was, is when we had, when we had the deal around innovation at the aquarium and she came out and she's like, holy crap, man, there's a little bit more to this than just the four walls of my you know, house oh, that like, I live like in and the, I'm working in. The, the one just, we just had. Yeah, okay. She wasn't at the Christmas party when we right, were there. Right, right, right. And, and for her to see, oh, holy crap, like this is this is like a, a cool deal here, you know? And yeah. she's been a lot more um, relaxed and conversational, but people get so abused that it's like... Yeah. You really like I'm I'm not a like I'm not the most patient person in the world. I am on some things. Like if it's Car- Caroline, I'm fine. <laughs> if it's any of my boys, I'm not, right? Yeah. But there's only there's a, a certain point where I lose my patience and I'm about ready to just, you know, go nuts. And typically I'll just pick up the phone and call Kyle. And say, <laughs> you know, I can't I can't believe you know. but Same. I mean it, it just blows my mind. Yeah, it just blows my mind that people are treated so poorly in our peer organizations that when they finally land in a good spot. I'll give you an example. Like a couple of weeks ago, um, well, probably a couple months ago now, she had worked really, really hard on getting a deal done for one of our existing clients that truthfully is a little bit of a nightmare, but I really like them, so I continue to tolerate it, even though I probably shouldn't. And she got a deal pushed through underwriting, got it bound, and it wasn't huge. It was a couple thousand bucks for, um, you know, it, it was we were adding a vehicle, right? It was a couple thousand bucks in revenue for the agency, and so um, she got the deal done with Progressive. Blah 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 blah. And I told her, I'm like, you know what? I said, I know you've, I know this has been frustrating for you. Lord knows, I've got the text messages to prove it, and the hmm. emails and everything else. I said, why don't you guys go out to a nice dinner this weekend, you know, and give me the receipt. I'll take care of it. Just just whatever you want. Well, what's my limit? Where do you want me to go? I said, just be responsible with it. I want you to go out and enjoy yeah. yourself, right? I mean, I don't want you popping bottles of Cristal in the VIP at the, you Council know. Council Oak. <laughs> yeah, Council Oak or whatever. But it, 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 at the same time, I want you to actually be rewarded. Like, I want you to have fun. I want you to know that I value what you do and I will reward you for that. Because here's what I can tell you. If I didn't have her, whoo, I'd be in big trouble. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think that... Um... I just think there's a lot of dicks in our industry and they just, you know, they're very selfish and it's about their revenue and their income and they took the risk and they put down blah, blah, blah. And like, I get, and by the way, let me just throw out by society standards, some very, very successful agency owners, people who they could, they could drop $10,000 and not even miss it. Right? Like I know people that just they're hardcore against doing anything at all to further their culture or i mean it's it just i i, I it, it's so foreign to me i can't even comprehend yeah. it they're workers i pay you a check do yeah. your job you should be happy you have a paycheck and it's like i completely understand that mentality i just think it's stupid right That's well it's not how people it's not it's not how the next generation um you know, responds to things. Dude, it's, it's not it's how just, anybody wants to be treated. It, it's just it, that it, in that, the past, it, that's true. Yeah, in the past, there wasn't the internet. There wasn't this ability to find true. another job. You didn't. 
you 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 didn't have the ability to 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 align. You didn't have the the flexibility to align your life with your job. You kind of if you had a job and it was good enough, you felt happy. But today, there's yeah. so much access to information. There's so much connectivity that what what for better or for worse, the 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 non-owner class of worker now has a little more power and they have the ability right. to, to to shop a little bit for their job. And you know, one, I think regardless if they have that power or not, we should still treat them well. But two, because they do, to me, even if I even if my mentality was, you know, you know, squeeze every bit out of them, just to get the best people, you have to ask act this way. I mean, that that I guess I just don't understand it from a business context because why would you want your people showing up miserable every day? All you're going to get is complaints. They're not going to do the right thing. They're not going to go out of their way like the situation that David just described. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I, I don't understand it at all, to, to be honest with you. No, you're 100% right. I think a lot of it, too, is just that that older, um, you know, agency owner demographic. I, I think those are the ones that we've talked about on the podcast a million times over that are slow Courier to change. Courier and Ives. Courier and Ives love them because they – just own the Christmas calendar market. That's like my favorite. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, these I are the same people. I hearing about these frigging calendars. And then the first time I saw it, I was like, this is what everyone is talking about? This stupid calendar? <laughs> like, what are we My doing? favorite is the one that just got like the, it's like the, the plastic or rubber or whatever. And then the pad is mounted to it. So you just tear it off and it's magnetized to the refrigerator. People find value in spending money to send those out. Like I got to tell you something. I hate to be the guy that rains on everybody's parade. And I really hope that I don't have an issue with courier and Ives for causing revenue problems for them, but you are not helping your retention with those calendars. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll step out on the limit. It's so silly. I just, uh, the other thing that I think this is, this is maybe this is anecdotal, but like, um, uh, I have, I, every time, so I don't know if you guys have gotten them, but like, um, I think, and I think it's because, uh, when I started rogue two years ago, um, uh, a lot of these digital insure tech brokers will send business cards or will send postcards to my house, like M broker and, um, I think New Front sent one one time and like because they get these lists of like new business forms. They send out these postcards and like there's this douchey troll on Twitter who just like has no clue how the world actually works. Um, And he, you know, takes a picture of it. He's like, look, look at this new school going old school. And I'm like, no, that's what happens when you get $50 million of VC money and you have to light it on fire in order to justify why you got it. Like. Spent po- dig- postcards to random people who have no connection with your brand one time is Garbage. a terrible idea. That is legitimate. Just take the thousand dollars. Immediately throw it away. Wad, keep yourself warm with it at your desk for a little while. Just like start a little campfire at your desk. Because unless you're sending me 15 postcards right. over the course of time and I'm connected to your brand in some way, I am never going to buy your service. Like it's just... These are the kind of things. Think about it. I mean, yeah, it's like I get that stuff in the mailbox all the time. And it like it it literally does not make it in the house. It I pass my garbage can on the way back in, and that shit goes right in the bottom of it and sticks to all of the frappuccino shit at the bottom of it that my wife has left in there. No, bro, but look how cheeky and smart all these 
All these VC backed insurtechs are. They're going old school with the new school. Come on. You gotta be, you gotta be. I almost feel like we're living through a, an idiot test. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Kyle, you just sounded like Chris Traeger from Parks and Rec. It literally goes right into my trash can. <laughs> uh, it's Fantastic. a good show, man. It is. I think it's severely underrated. I'm it, it is. sad because I'm getting and, and close to the end of it. I think, we've I think part it. of the reason why it's underrated is because it's viewed as sort of like trying to be the office with you know the the camera angles and the looking at the camera and that sort of thing. A lot but of it's it just, is very, very similar, but yeah. different. Different it's, character development. No, totally. Different humor. But I think people don't give it a chance because of that. They watch like the first episode or two and they're like, okay, they're just I'm trying to be the office. something crazy. Except for except for maybe a few seasons, I think that Parks and Rec was a better show. Yeah, there I'm a big a Office guy. Seasons I'm a, of The Office that are epic, I'm, that are just freaking funny. But there are a few seasons of The Office that are like, Mah. and like when Pam was a salesperson, the whole Pam is a salesperson section <laughs> of that show is terrible. And like when what's his face who went on the boat ride, oh, well, Andy go becomes the. Oh, it's terrible. I'll t- I'll t- yeah, I'll tell you when it really when it really went downhill is obviously when when Michael Scott you know left yeah, or, or left, you yeah. know was was leaving and, and all of that for sure. I, I agree. The with Robert, you. Uh, remember the guy? Uh, yeah, yeah. Robert, what's his face? Yes. You know who I'm talking. When he I do. was the guy for a little while, that was pretty funny dynamic. Oh, so you talk about James Spader? Yeah, James Spader. Yeah, James Spader. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Robert was, California. Yeah, Robert California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was good. Um, but uh, I, overall, this is going to be unpopular opinion. Overall, if I had to choose, sit down and watch every episode of The Office or every episode of Parks and Rec, I'd take Parks and Rec. Okay, there you go. I don't, I don't know that that's controversial at all. Yeah, I feel like it probably so, is, but we can, we can whatever. move past it. I'm, I, yeah, I'm trying to reel this back in because I'm really interested in yeah. some of this stuff. Because look, one thing I can tell you for absolute certain about Hanley is. Like he probably knows about tech products that are coming out before the people have invented them yet. Like there's not tech that's going to hit the streets that this dude doesn't know about. I've tried like when I find something that I think is really cool and then he shows me the pimp hand. It's like, oh, yeah, I talked to them last week or we did a (laughs) podcast. It's dropping tomorrow or whatever else. But I know that your tech stack has been something that has been a constant work in progress. I haven't I haven't really. I haven't really heard you say much that leads me to believe you've deviated in the last two or three, four months from, from what you finally got locked in. We all know that the whole deal with ENS business is you've got to turn and burn, man. That's the only yeah. way you can make it profitable. And I've talked to, I really like Peter McDonald at Wonderwrite. Yep. I think Wonderwrite's a fantastic mm-hmm. product. I think that they are coming in at a time when they are a welcome competitor to the two people that have sort of dominated that market that he's going after and been very well received by the agent community from what I gather. Yep. And then the other one I found that I thought was really interesting is a guy that I talked to this week, and that was the guy from Lost Run Pros. Have you talked to him? Yeah. Yeah. And to me, that's one that's not like – that's not like this – massive technological advancement. It's, hey, we just took something you're never going to take the time to automate yourself. We've automated it, and we're going to charge you an incredibly low price as a result of it. So the adoption from the agencies has to be huge. 
outside of those two things, and you may or may not be using either, you may be using both, but what have you, what have you found? Like, what's the, you don't need to give me the secret sauce, but I'm interested no, because. Secret sauce. Um, so, so a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, just to touch on your very first point. Yes, we have not changed systems in almost a year, which is, that's a big, that's a big one. That's epic, us. man. That being said, um, that being said, we will be moving to full Salesforce in the next six months. Absolutely. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, first reason is um, much like you went to HubSpot, right? If I play, my viewpoint is if I play in the sandbox is all my competition, I'm limited. I, I have to operate through the same limitations that they do, right? So if you're on Epic, it's a great system. That's not a knock on Epic, but everyone that uses Epic is limited by the functionality of Epic. And there's things that I want to do that other agents either aren't going to think of, won't be willing to test and fail, or uh, just simply don't want to do. And the only way that I can do that is to operate in a system that gives me full freedom. And I don't want to build my own agency management system. So we're, we're using, we're going to use Salesforce is essentially think of it as a base data layer. It's the base data layer. And then we, uh, we become technology agnostic. So now let's say you're using an agency zoom and Vertifor buys it. It might be, they might make it even more amazing than it is, or they might destroy it. Who knows if they destroy it, I can be like, you know what? You don't hold me hostage. Be gone. I'm going to bring someone else in, right? If a payment provider, uh, accord, whatever. So to me, by having a base layer of data, a base data structure layer that I can trust, I now can be uh, opportunistic in the technology that I use. And, and this is the key for me, if you want to operate at pace, you have to be working in the same system. I Agency Zoom is a great tool. The fact that it never became an agency management system will always be its ultimate downfall because every time you have to push something from one system to another, again, working at pace, what you guys do in middle market is different with HubSpot and, Haw and Hawksoft. Oh, yeah. We have zero velocity. When you're it's like working watching at molasses pace, go downhill. I mean, dude, we've gotten 15 leads in today. That's not a joke. 15 leads in today. To manage that flow, any duplicate entry, any any issues with with uh, duplicate policies, you know, all this stuff that comes with having two systems doesn't work. So we have to get to one system. There is not one system that exists today that, that is a traditional insurance system. You know, Veruna's garbage. Epic is too slow. Um, as much as I love the people, there's some people at Vertifor that I really love. They do not have a high volume shop that uses any one of their tools. Um, now certs is a dumpster fire. Uh, Hawksoft still hasn't figured out how to do two-way API for some reason, even though it's 2021. And I could basically learn to code in a week how to do two-way API and they can't figure it out. Like just, you go through this list where all these systems are placating the lowest common denominator technology agents. And that's simply not who we are, nor is it the future of our industry. So we're moving to face, uh, Facebook, Jesus. We're moving to <laughs> Salesforce as our base layer. What that allows us to do is implement the following system that today has some manual pieces in between it, but it's how we're doing ENS at scale. Uh, we start with, so we essentially have a Tumblr system, which is, which is think of it as like if-then statements. Lead comes in. If Tarmica, Tarmica. If not Tarmica, RT Connector, which is RT Specialties Online Quote Rate Bind. If not RT Connector, Pathpoint. If not Pathpoint, then you, a couple, you know, whatever. Go through these systems where we don't even need accords, right? With any of those systems, we don't need accord forms. If we get all the way to the bottom of that Tumblr system and we need accords, we use Wonderwrite. 
okay? So that's, that's how we get there. Once we have the information, let's say it's RT Connector, RT Connector allows us to get liability, property, and workers' comp, excess lines, quotes, rate quote buying right on the spot. If they accept it on the phone, I can send them accords uh, ESOP with affidavit right out of RT Connector's system. They sign it. It comes back real time while I'm on the phone. From there, we use Ascend for our payment system. I think Ascend, you know, some people, you, I think you guys use uh, IPFS. I think IPFS and Ascend are the only two that I would even consider using today from a premium finance standpoint. Um, Ascend is kind of pushing the envelope, but still new. IPFS is a little more solidified, but still doing really cool things. So it, I, and has the capital to do what Ascend is trying to do. Yeah, and eventually yeah, so, they'll get caught up. Yep, exactly. And it's healthy, man. That's healthy competition in my book. You need to have multiple agree. people pushing each other. If there was only one, we would stall out. Completely agree. So for that, for, in that way, what we're able to do is we're able to take so a key cap, a key KPI for Rogue is one call closes. That's what we track. How many one call closes can we get? Because we're not rounding out every account at the point of sale. We're solving problems. We solve problems. Again, in our select business, we have two types of business. Select, 25000 in premium under that come in inbound. Premier, 25000 in premium over accounts that need to be risk managed. So 25000 in premium or under, we are solving problems. Solve problems. What's my problem? I just hired my first employee. Okay, get the comp. Don't worry about the general liability of the auto today. Get the comp done, solve their problem, be a value creator. Next week, go back behind and get the BORs or rewrites or whatever you need to do. Solve the problem, solve the problem. So um, we never want to touch paper ever, and I want everyone to be working this system. RT Connector or PathPoint, whichever, again, we're talking about ENS in particular, to Neo, if, if we have to do a proposal, Neoteric Agent, video proposal comes back out, they accept that, we go right to... Uh, DocuSign, or we use HelloSign, right to Ascend. In many cases, we, we've had one phone call with the person, closed the business, paid for, bound onto the next account. And it's we just work that. We have a very long sales uh, pipeline inside of Agency Zoom because each stage fires off different tasks and different things to different people. But it's you work that pipeline like a service pipeline. At the end of the at the end of the pipeline you're just transacting business instead of doing a car change, right? That is the process for how you do small commercial at scale. And you can never have, and I'm always telling my people this, no customer left behind, no customer left behind. I don't care if it's a $500 Bob or a $50,000 habitational account, it doesn't matter, no customer left behind. Because when you, if you just write policies, you get big ones, you get small ones, and it all comes out in the wash. If you try to cherry pick, you work all day on the $50,000 account, that doesn't come through and you miss the 10 smaller accounts that you could have closed. So I don't get hung up in how big the account is. Did you solve their problem? Were they happy when you were done? Solve problem, solve problem, solve problem. So that's our process. So talk to me for a second, man. When you talk about the data layer being there on Salesforce, what do you mean by that? Are you talking about that everything is going to originate in Salesforce? And then if you have a system like Agency Zoom, and, and look, I'm not here to throw off on anybody. Lord knows a lot of people just got to retire you know, yeah. for, forever off of that deal. But Agency Zoom, you know, uh, or any other, you know, CRM lead management system, you're just going to take that data, push it over there, and they, then it can do its it thing? Or are you going to try and integrate with Salesforce? We're not going to use them anymore. 
done. So you're just going to use Salesforce for the same thing that you've been trying to bolt together with everything. Yeah. Because oh, so wow. I've tried three different agency management systems. I've tried five different CRMs. And what I've realized is that the future of our industry is one system. No one's been able to do it because, you know, I think that the big guys who have the capacity don't have the will to do it, nor are they being pushed by agencies because no agencies want to work at pace. And to me, when I look at the agencies that I actually consider our peers, and these are the digital brokerages, I don't necessarily agree with the way they do their business. But when I have, when I compare from a technological standpoint, they all do the same exact thing. They all build their own custom policy management system, which is going to cost you $2 million and take a year. And then they plug in HubSpot or Salesforce on top of it. I think that's one way to go. I do not want to spend the $2 million and wait the year. I'd rather spend a quarter million dollars in six months and build the same exact thing using Salesforce. When I say base layer, I mean, it's our policy management. It's what houses policy numbers, effective dates, all that kind of stuff. That's that's our record. And then inside that system, I can bring in Pardot or Marketing Cloud or, or HubSpot has a native integration. So maybe we think about HubSpot. But then that always kind of tripped me out, by the way, that HubSpot integrates with Salesforce. I, I never really understood that. Yeah, but whatever. I, I don't yeah, think I, you know. So, so, but then you can like, I can bake in Ascend. I can bake in HelloSign. I can bake in uh, proposal management and proposal sending. So now it's lead comes in via form, right? And eventually, well, there's there's more to it, but I'm, but let's just say a lead comes in a form and it and it fills our Salesforce, right? Bam! I'm looking at it. I can press a button. That pushes it to Tarmica, comes back with my rates. I see Harford's got the best rate. Okay. So now right from there, I push that information into our proposal software, do the video proposal, out it goes. I haven't left Salesforce. Out the proposal goes. They click the accept button. Out the hello sign goes. They they sign. Out the payment, you know, out the payment information goes. And everything happens in one place. Mm-hmm. Because now I can see who touched it, when they touched it, what they've done at any given moment, any of us can jump in, help with the account. Also from an EO perspective, also from a service perspective, we know everything that's happening and um, no duplicate entry, no duplicate records. Um, you know, the one thing that we do have to, and I have some people working on this and it, it's going to be, it's going to be one issue that we have to work through is download. Um, you know, that that's solvable, but it is a problem. So, Small commercial. What about personal lines? You're going to have all of this data at your fingertips oh, yeah, now. That is natural sure. remarketing to all of these entities for personal lines. I hadn't heard you talk about that. What's that flow look like? Probably I mean, because it should grow pretty quickly, I would imagine. Yeah. But you're, I, I got to believe you're going to delay a little bit before you get full force so that you can let the flywheel catch on this other stuff. Yeah, it will be 12 months before we really hit personal lines. It's, it's on the roadmap, but... Um, I need, I want to get, I need to get our producer recruitment process done. I need to get this system in place that we're building. Cause we're right now, uh, like I have a vendor that we're going to use, but we're, we're, you know, she and I are mapping it out and we, you know, we got the pieces. And so we, you know, the, we're still using agency zoom and, and now search right now. Um, so I got to get that deployed and, you know, so we're 12 months out from personal lines, but yeah, once, once we get these these other functions, these core functions done, and we have kind of our middle market segment going and our small commercial segment going, absolutely, we're going to pivot to personal lines. We're going to pivot to life, bonding. I mean, there's you know, there's no reason, there's no reason why you know we can't be the shop 
for business owners, right? Well, I do I want standalone personal lines people? Not really, but if I could right. get 50% penetration into my business owners, into their personal lines, that's a really healthy book. And then if I can get all their bonding, if I can, you know, eventually life insurance, again, life insurance is probably 36, 40 months. Maybe someone will buy us and I can go retire before we get to life insurance. <laughs> but, um, you know, this is where, this is where we're going. And, um, I, I think, uh, you know, we had, we had a conversation, uh, you know, I've talked about it on the podcast before I had some pretty dark moments in the you know first six to 12 months of rogue, just because how disappointed I was and what, what we were doing. And, you know, I, I made so many excuses about COVID and, you know, whatever, L- lots of like, you know, negative shit. And, and, you know, and we talked a lot during that time. And, um, you know, you, you said something to me that was very powerful that is, that has stuck with me and I'm, I'm going to butcher the exact phrase, but the, the, as long as it's not the Bruce Lee quote, we're good. No, no, it's not going to be the Bruce Lee quote. <laughs> Although I thought about using it and I didn't, cause I know you always make fun of me. Um, no, it was about, it was about thinking, you know, not thinking small essentially. And what you said to me really was, and it was really the impetus for me starting to, like, we're licensed in all 48 states. You know, we write business across the country. Uh, two of my producers are in California. Another one's in Michigan. I got people in Florida. Uh, I got VAs. Like, you know, we, uh, you, you kind of said to me, like, a lot of what your, like, d- struggles are because you're thinking, you know, this big. You're thinking small. And, um, you know, you need to where do you really want to go? Like think, think bigger and go get that. And then if you miss and, and you miss off of a huge idea, then you still got a really big idea, right? Versus right now your idea, what you're, what you're focused on is so small that if you don't hit that target, you have nothing. And, uh, and, and I'm kind of butchering exactly the way you said it, but, but that was the concept and, um, that pivot in mentality to just like, you know, I, I've said this before and people can believe it or not. And, I get a lot of negativity and have had over the course of my career, a lot of negativity because how public I am with a lot of my thoughts. And I just, I kind of had this moment, whether this is healthy or not, where I was like, fuck all those people. Like, like I've had this vision. I've been sharing it for 10 years. None of you motherfuckers have listened and taken it and run with it. So I'm going to build it. And then, you know, that's what I'm going to do. And, uh, we're on the path, man. We are we are full speed ahead. We got we're gonna like I said, we're hiring another account manager this week. We're probably gonna hire another one in another month. We have two more producers that we need to hire for our select pipeline. Like we are growing. And uh I want a rogue I want a rogue office in every every major town in the United States someday. And if uh, nothing else, it'll help with your folder distribution. Yeah, yeah. We'll make all those <laughs> folders. We'll be able to get rid of all those folders. That's the good thing. So so I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's maybe my uh, the, the aggressiveness or whatever is is not appreciated by people. But um, I just uh, who cares? Doesn't that's why need they, to be. That's why they have their own opportunity to run their own thing. Yeah. Man. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So if you don't like it, do something about it. Right? right. If you don't think I'm doing it right, build it better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I'm at the point right now where I'm over it. Right. I'm over all of the people in the peanut gallery throwing their two cents in on everything. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to worry about what other people thought. I used to worry about what other people did to me. 
you know what I, I used to operate from a very dark place where I just hated a lot of things and a lot of people and that was the gas that fueled a lot of things and by societal standards you know I probably accomplished a lot that people were jealous of or wish they could do but mentally it wasn't the right way for me to go about that and it hasn't been until really this last year year and a half that I've basically stepped back and said you know what life's too short man I can't control anything that's happened past you know before today but I can control what happens going on in the future. And my kids need to see the best version of me every single day. That's it, period. I don't care what my peers think of me. I don't care what my family, you know, extended family thinks of me. I just care what my what, what I can control in the four walls of my house. And that is the only thing that drives me, period. And yeah. as long as I can stick with that, I'm golden. There you go. I think that's the uh I think that's the right way, man. It's definitely not easy. And I feel like, I feel like you have to go through, you know, cause, cause where I'm at right now, you know, my mind is as mentally clear. I'm as focused as I probably been probably since the very early days of agency nation, when we were really building that platform and cranking, um, I, I'm as focused and determined as, as maybe I've ever been. And, uh, you know, I think if I didn't go through that really dark period where, you know, I, self-loathing excuses you know kind of what was me shit like if i didn't go through that period of of and kind of feel how bad that felt and how you know that you know negativity like i probably wouldn't been able to come out the other side and be able to look and be like i never want to be that way again i'm never gonna allow myself to get to that place again and you know to do that it's kind of what you said like why not be the best version of yourself? You know, uh, Jordan Peterson has this really amazing quote that I share every once in a while. I have it saved on my phone. I share it every once in a while on Instagram. Um, he says, he says, be a monster. Society will tell you that you should be nice, that you should be, you should, you should be docile. No, that's wrong. Be a, a monster. Be an absolute monster, and then learn how to control it. Yeah, absolutely. And when you think about that, what it gives you is the ability to be the best version of yourself, that that snarly, nasty, driven version of yourself. But at the same time, you only let it out when you absolutely need it. And the rest of the time, you're, you know, the way probably you should be. And I think that's important because I think that some people never, never allow themselves to just go full tilt. And experience the the uh, the ups and downs that come with that. Because when you and dude, you know as well as anybody, and Kyle, I'm sure you do too, man. Like when you really lean in and you're going as hard as you can, there there is no way you don't hit bumps. You're just moving too fast. You're gonna things are gonna happen. And um, I think a lot of people are so scared of that that they just never allow themselves to go that hard. So um, until you've experienced it, uh, I, I feel like you know, you don't necessarily understand. And that's why people look at some of the shit you do and you say, and you know, whatever me, other, other, other ones of our friends that we have, other people we know, you know, Paradiso, you know, not as much today, but used to get a ton of shit. I mean, that guy is one of the most giving, thoughtful people I ever met in my life. You know, anybody that talks shit about that guy, I'm like, you just don't know him or you're an asshole because he's, you know, the, the things he's done for people, uh, people who, who were on their last leg or didn't know where else to go. He's, he's done a lot of really good things. So, you know, I just feel like those people who, who, who throw those stones, they just, ne they just never allowed themselves to really go all out. So they don't understand what it's like. Well, and the thing is, 
people don't know the stuff that Paradiso's done that's not public facing, yeah. right? Like you, you see the community involvement in the things that they're doing and the outward um, expression of gratitude to our veterans, to, you know, it's just so many nonprofits, his community and all of that stuff. But that's not why I respect Chris. I mean, I do, but that's not the, the core of it. Why I respect Chris is for who he is when nobody else is looking, which is the definition of true character. Yeah. It's who you are when nobody else can see what what's going on. So. Yeah. You know, that's the deal. So listen, um, it's time for us to wrap up. I got Mr. Mike Crowley in the bullpen. Oh so. boy, you got Yeah, this uh, this is just a warm-up. You got the you got the the power players coming up next. I like that. We are uh, we're doubling down on New York today. I mean, <laughs> I, I was going for the trifecta, but Doug Benz is in transition between houses right now, so I know. he needs to focus on getting things straight. I know his poor life. family. His wife did a thing the other day that got they got their stuff is like spread out between like four storage lockers. Yeah, he's he's in a hardcore transition, and the dude's still selling insurance. <laughs> Take a break, dude. They lived on a boat for a month. I with, know. With six <laughs> that kids, him so terrible. Yeah, six kids, him, his wife, and their English mastiff. I Ugh. mean, the nicest guy you will ever, ever meet. meet ever meet yeah listen man i just i want to wrap up i want to thank you for coming back on you know to me is somebody who's sat and watched and, and been involved with what you've had going on from the beginning i can tell a sense of peace and breathing easier than what you have been and clarity that i haven't seen before but more than anything else man i'm proud of you for just sticking it out you know, I don't, you know, whether that means anything or not, just God. knowing that, you know, you came in here, you had every eye in the industry on you at the absolute worst time. And you basically stepped up and gave them the double middle finger, freaking Kid Rock popping two cores lights on his, <laughs> out of his pockets and then flicking everybody off and said, this is what's up. So kudos to you for that, man. Continue to be a monster, and you always have a cheerleader with me. Really appreciate the friendship and watching what you're doing, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, I, I just, you know, I'll just the last thing I want to say is uh, I think what you do on this podcast, I think what David, what you specifically do in general, because you know, I know uh, similar to Paradiso. People see the outward version of you, and they may not realize that the the version that that isn't on social media is 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 an even bigger heart and even more giving. And um, you know the time that you've given me and um, what you've what you've put up with in terms of my emotional roller coaster and the calls that you get from me, like it's it's been incredibly meaningful. And uh, you know all the all the um, accolades and you know the cover. You know you just got the cover by a magazine. It's all so um, uh, so warranted, so so deserving. So I'm just very happy for you and, and what your whole team and you know Kyle. I'm sure you've done something good too. But um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he almost hit a hole. In, Kyle's uh, he's the chairman of our calendar committee. He's yeah. currently negotiating with Courier and I. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you. All right, man. Uh, Thanks, buddy. Later. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. <laughs>